0: Well, welcome back listeners to the Dairy Science Digest podcast. And we're here with Dr. Bill Weiss. And he works at the the Ohio State University and has been there for over three decades. And he and his PhD student, Alex Tebby, worked on a fresh cow research project up there at Worcester. I guess... Without further ado, we can start off. I have sitting in front of me your article in press for the Journal of Dairy Science talking about the the carryover effects of feeding blends of protein and amino acids in those high-protein diets for, for fresh cows. You varied the forage concentrations of the ration there early in lactation a little bit. Can you talk a little bit about what were your treatments? What are the four different uh, treatments that you were looking at?
1: Well, first, this was the, the PhD work of, of Alex Tebby. So he's he, he needs to get most of the credit. But the, the hypothesis was that we feed really high protein in the fresh period. And fresh period is, you know, three three weeks or so. And also not just high crude protein, but a very good blend of amino acids. We would get more milk in that in the fresh period. And theoretically, that should preserve body protein and that would carry over into later lactation. So, that was our main hypothesis. And our secondary hypothesis was, you know, if we increase protein in our experiment, we increased it three units. That means three units of something else has to go down because, you know, it has to add up to 100%. And so, our, our second hypothesis was if we add three units of crude protein, then instead of pulling out starch and non-forage fiber, you know, byproduct fiber. We thought let's pull some forage out which would allow these cows to eat more. And so our, our, our four treatments our control was a pretty standard midwest uh, fresh cow diet 16 or so percent crude protein, corn silage based with some alfalfa. The forage was about 60% 55-58% 50, forage. Good good forage, but just a pretty typical diet, nothing special the protein came from soy, soybean meal. Second treatment was a high-protein diet, and we took out the byproduct fiber and added three units of crude protein. So we're getting up to around uh, 20% uh, crude protein, and all that extra protein came from soybean meal, and heat treated soybean meal. That's the, the only sources. So we didn't really play with amino acids at all. Our third treatment, what we call blend, is we again added three units of crude protein, so it's also twenty percent crude protein. But instead of just throwing soybean meal in, there was there was soybean meal in the diet, but we threw in a treated canola, a corn gluten meal, a bunch of uh, of rumen protected amino acids, some heat treated soy. So and we we put together a blend actually that we. We formulated to have an amino acid profile very similar to milk. That's how we came up with that that blend. And then the fourth treatment was the same protein source as the the one I just talked about, the blend. But instead of pulling out three units of byproduct fiber, we pulled out about three units of forage fiber.
0: Did you have both mature cattle and first lactation heifers on the test?
1: Wanted to look at first lactation and what I'm going to call mature cows. So second and later lactation. So we had a whole bunch of first lactation and a whole bunch of older cows on this experiment. It was a very big experiment. And and for fresh cow experiments, you need a lot of cows because there's so much variation. With the older cows fed the, the blend... They did very well. They ate substantially more. We fed these diets for the first about 24 days, so roughly three weeks. And then after three weeks, we put all the cows on a very typical high cow diet. So after 24 days, all the cows were fed the same.
0: What What did you find when you were doing this?
1: And what we found was the blend significantly increased intake the, those first 24 days and it was several pounds, so it wasn't just a little bit, but several pounds more intake in cows. In heifers, it did not affect intake. Mm-hmm. Or when I, when I say heifers, I mean, you know, first, first
0: calf. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And then that increased intake resulted in substantially more milk. Contrary to our hypothesis, taking out forage didn't do anything. In fact, did, those cows did worse than the the blend with the higher forage. So that kind of suggests in these fresh cows, a little higher forage diets probably better. And the, these weren't real high forage diets. And again, it was very high quality forage. So with the blend, we got significantly more intake, significantly more milk. So I also should mention, you know, this blend diet is a very expensive diet. There's no no <laughs> question. It's very expensive, but. Producers have to remember, it's only fed for 20, 21, 24 days. You got more milk and the milk paid for the diet. But what, where the profit came from is, and we follow these cows out through 11 weeks. Mm -hmm. And during that whole carryover period, which was from day 24 up to 11 weeks, they continued to produce more energy corrected milk, more milk, fat, more milk protein. So you made money. Later on when the when the cows were all fed the same diet
0: it's uh so critically important for folks to identify these first few weeks as as an investment uh, in the future i I know it wasn't necessarily noted in the article, but perhaps if you could recall by chance, did it have any effect on reproduction
1: we didn't we didn't follow it because for repro we we don't have enough cows, mm-hmm. but we also did something most people don't, and that we, we measured changes in body composition, not, not just body condition, but we actually can measure or estimate using some, some techniques, body fat, body protein. And a lot of times when you get more milk in early lactation, where that milk is coming from is the body, which really isn't what we want. We don't want that because that is likely going to have negative effects on uh, cow health and reproduction. In our study, because they ate more and produced more, body fat wasn't they did not increase mobilization of body fat. They didn't, they actually mobilized less body protein. Mm -hmm. So if you extrapolate that, I my guess would be it, it won't be negative and it may actually be positive, but we we don't have data to support that.
0: Sure. Understood. Kind of just helping her over the hump. And I guess another detail that I I wanted to draw attention to the listeners that these cows were in, in tie stalls. And so you actually collected individual animal intake. So we know definitively that, that, that dry matter intake wasn't, it wasn't increased on average by pin. We know definitively by each individual cow that she was consuming more and that, that dry matter intake graph clearly shows that she has got a nice strong increase of intake and, and supports that that level of milk production that we've we've got to see. So as she was going into peak lactation, do you recall what what were the yield differences among treatments?
1: It was, um, and we we're, we're not talking really about milk because milk isn't doesn't pay the bills. We need to talk about either energy corrected milk, which accounts for components or actual yields of, of fat and protein. The three treatments other than the blend did about the same. So the, and I, again, I want to emphasize this is in cows, not first, first lactation animals. Uh, we picked up two or three kilos, which is probably five to seven pounds of, of energy corrected milk. When we look at, and I, I don't know how milk is priced in Missouri and Ohio, it's clearly milk protein and milk fatters is, is where, <laughs> where the money comes from. In milk fat, we got from the other treatments, and this is just the first 24 days, not counting the carryover, we got about 200 grams more fat, which is a little bit less than a pound more milk fat, so we mm-hmm. can calculate the value of that. On protein, we got about... Oh, Maybe 100 grams, I'm sorry, I have to do this in kilograms, that's what we measure, Sure. but one or 200 um, grams, so that's about a, half, a little less than, say, a third of a pound of milk protein from the blend diet compared to the control.
0: You bet. And even though we're, we are a fluid milk market down here in this uh, Southern order, really those components have been carrying the price for the last couple of years. So absolutely, you're spot on. I, was, I have highlighted the energy-corrected milk there in your paper, uh, carrying the difference. Now, can you speculate why, why did this not work so well, or why did we not see a response in those first calf heifers?
1: Well, the, the, you got to remember those animals are also, they have a very different lactation curve. They you know, don't really have peaks, and a lot of nutrients are still needed for growth. And they don't eat a lot. They, the, the, on the average cow in this study, the first 24 days, ate eight, eight or nine pounds more than the average heifer. So, you know, part of it is they don't eat a lot, but physiologically, they aren't programmed to lose a lot of body condition. That's to support lactation like a cow. We've actually bred those to mobilize fat to support milk. Heifers tend not to do that. They just don't milk as much and they don't lose as much. What we found is that although they didn't increase milk yields, they did again when we measured body composition. They didn't. They they put that extra energy, extra protein into the body, probably probably for growth. We can't separate growth from you know changes in body condition. We we can't measure that, but we can measure body protein and body fat. And the heifers fed these high protein, good, good balance of amino acids, increased body protein and increased body fat. So they were getting a benefit. It was it just wasn't in the milk.
0: Sure. But again, just the investment. And while the the data didn't carry it out quite that long, I, I sure wonder what that would look like even the following following lactation if she if she didn't get kicked down that first round, if, if you eliminate the sophomore slump potentially.
1: Yeah, um, I think when we look at body condition, that word investment you use is a very good one. Because, you know, I can get lots of milk and have a, a skin and bones cow, and that long term is not going to make anybody any money. So, you know, maintaining or improving body composition has to have value someplace. It might be reproduction. It might be the following lactation, but it is going to have value someplace.
0: I see. I could feel for Alex, as I was reading through this, just imagining all those blood tubes and and uh, serum collected in late late days, early morning, stuff like that. Uh, know, his,
1: his advisor took some blood too. Yes, yes I bet you did. Work. He did a lot of work on
0: this. Tremendous. Really impressive set of papers uh, that you guys have coming through the hopper. They're in press. Oh, I wanted to talk a little bit about. You said that when you were increasing your units of protein, you specifically used a a soy based protein and then a heat treated soy. Can you speak to why you liked using this the soy proteins for your extra units of of protein?
1: Well, you know, in the in the Midwest here, soy is the the go to protein. It's the generally the cheapest source readily available and what we're going to call the high protein control was again what typically would be done here if you're going to feed high protein it's just feed more more soybean meal and and we used a blend of regular soy and heat treated soy so that the on a metabolizable protein basis it's the same as the mp in that fancy blend because we didn't want to look at at add mp effects we really wanted to look at amino acid effects mm-hmm. that if we just threw in regular soybean bean meal we could have got you know 20% crude protein but it would have been substantially lower in metabolizable protein than our blend treatment so right. that that's why we used the the combination of the of the two um regular soy and then a, a commercial uh, treated soy
0: be able to shake out the effects. I know um, guys are talking about bean meal being a, a fairly pricey portion of of their ration right now. But golly, it's hard to replace that in a diet for sure. Yeah, um, it's on a expensive. Consistent.
1: Yeah, it's expensive, and but not feeding it is also expensive. And that again, you've got to look at income over feed costs. So we do need to pay attention to protein. I don't mean you just throw it in there and but I'm arguing that the fresh cow pen is not the place to worry about feed pennies. Yeah. Can't cut corners there. In the high diet, if you're feeding a 17% protein diet, you can probably cut that to 16 and a half and not see anything, but you do not want to shortchange fresh cows.
0: Got to get them off to the right trajectory to set that peak. Exactly. Very good. Well, you've got the undivided attention of of dairy producers sitting in the cab of their tractor, working the fields, getting ready for corn silage planting. If there were just a summary of a few bits and pieces that you really want them to know about all of this hard work that you and Alex did over the last year or so, what would you want them to know?
1: Well, first, if you can manage, if you have the facilities, the pens, et cetera, to have a fresh cow group, a true fresh cow group, uh, I think it's very advantageous. And, And again, this would be, it has to have enough space, enough good ventilation. It has to be a very good place for these cows to spend time. But if you're going to do that, you know, have a special diet and don't worry too much about cost. We would feed these high proteins and 19, 20%. I'm not saying 20, we have to go all the way to 20, but there's been other studies, that said you have to go to 19 at least. Mm-hmm. And again, a, a good balance of sources and software today, formula, your nutritionist can come up with these blends of, of both rumen protected amino acids and other regular feedstuffs to come close to what we did. Uh, It's also this fresh pen could be some, there's some feed additives that are very, very effective. Again, that have been shown they're expensive, but they have carryover for weeks and weeks after they move out. So just the idea of a, a special diet for fresh cows, I think is really what we're pushing here. And protein and amino acids are part of that special diet.
0: Very good. And if you had a a herd that you were working with that have very little space and wanted to do this, would you recommend it for the mature cows and and not their heifers?
1: I think that's what I do. And you know, it's if ideally two-year-olds are going to be separate from cows all the time. I mean, that's that's been shown to be very effective. And so, you know, if they freshen. Um, I would probably just move two-year-olds into the two-year-old pen because the the fresh, we, it, you get some benefits, but not, if space is limited, the benefits would be very slim. If you're moving fresh cows into a crowded pen, you lose a lot of any nutrition advantage. So the idea of of getting two-year-olds into the two-year-old pen and forgetting about the fresh pen, I think is a good compromise. You know, We want the fresh pen actually understocked a little bit. So I think that's actually a very good compromise.
0: Well, Dr. Weiss, this, is, this has been very informative and I really appreciate your time and the listeners. I applaud you for taking time out of your day today to learn about how you can customize that fresh cow pen and, and feed the, the perfect blend of amino acids to get her off to a good start. I appreciate you listening to the Dairy Science Digest, and this is a monthly podcast project designed to bring your journal of dairy science straight to your ears, and we highlight the peer-reviewed research articles that are actively impressed to give you sound science to base your management decisions around, and this is provided to you by your University of Missouri dairy team, so please be sure to like, share, and subscribe to get future editions Straight to your cell phone. This is Reagan Bluel with the Dairy Science Digest, and I hope you have a great day.